How are we doing, Porch? Come on, come on. Continuing our Vice and Virtue series, uh, I want to start by just kind of flashing back to uh, my life before Christ, BC days. I'm uh, here in Dallas, Texas. I'm not walking with Jesus out of college. And every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night was spent at a bar or a club, and really one particular club that, that we would always go to. So I moved five times, all within one mile of Lower Greenville. And so that's kind of was the uptown of that day, uh, the West 7th, the Baker Street in Houston. It, it was just, uh, it was the place where uh, you would party. And so we would go to this particular place all the time. And on one Friday night, I'm there. And here's what would happen is, is we'd start at the apartment and uh, with the tequila shots. And then from there, uh, we would move to beer. And then we'd go to the club. And that's when we'd open the bar tab and start with the mixed drinks. Uh, because um, I would dance better when I was drunk. Or, or uh, at least I would think I'd dance better when I was drunk, you know. And, uh, and so anyways, uh, we're there. I'm moving my way to the dance floor. And, uh, and so dancing, having a good time. See uh, this uh, blonde girl across the way. We might make eye contact, smile at each other. Uh, she starts coming my way, and uh, this is awesome. And so we're, we're dancing, you know, and it starts off a little bit of space in between. She has long blonde hair, beautiful, short little uh, tiny dress. And, and, uh, and so we're dancing, looking at each other. You know, all is, is great. And you like that, how I dance? Uh, and so, yeah, and... And there's a space in between us. And, and as the hours go by and as the drinks are flowing, we get closer and closer. And, and you know, and sorry to be graphic, but we're on each other at this point, you know, grinding. And, uh, and she's, you know, whispering in my ear, she says, hey, I want you to go home with me. And I'm thinking, you know, this is awesome because that's really the goal of life in this time is we go to the club and, and hope to go home or take someone home with us. And, uh, and so my mind is fast forwarding to what's going to happen later on. And, and, and the club is amazing because the, the lights are down and, and all you see is the neon, the DJ's up there mixing, the, the beat is thumping and it's just a party and it's fun and it, it feels like this perfect environment, like, like just ecstasy kind of deal. And, and, uh, and so we keep going and, and the night's moving on and, and really we literally dance the night away, uh, me and, and my new friend and uh, it's 2 a.m. at this point and so the, the bar's closing, DJ plays, it's closing time and, and we kind of, I start looking for my friends, she start looking for her friends and we were there, that takes so long that they turn the lights on and when they turn the lights on in the club, it, it just, everything becomes different. This, this place that was perfect and full of ecstasy and fun, you start to see all the little bar napkins all over the floor and how dirty it is. And oh, somebody threw up in the corner. That's what that smell was. And, and, and there's this kind of musty beer smell that just increases when they, they turn the lights on. And, and all the sexy co-eds uh, kind of look like incoherent zombies at this point. You know, they've spilt drinks on their shirts and they're all sweaty and hot and it's kind of nasty. And then I see her and, and it's not that she's not beautiful, uh, but she just appears kind of needy. And she has these big bags under her eyes and, and this kind of look in her face. And, and at this point, I've so sobered up enough to say, hey, I gotta go home. 
And, and she says, and again, invites me over to her place. And my friends are there now, and I'm like, no, nah, I gotta go. And, um, and then she kind of moves to like begging. And, and she grabs my arm and she kind of starts pulling me. And I'm like, no, nah, I gotta go. And, and what's going on is, is her lustful desires are, are making her unbelievably unattractive. And then she does something really weird I didn't see coming. Uh, she pulls out her purse and pulls out a couple hundred dollars. And she says, I'll give you this. Now listen, I'm not the most attractive dude on the planet. I get that, okay? And this has never happened to me before. And this isn't where I'm kind of boasting about what happened in the past. That's not my heart here. What, what I'm saying, and my heart in saying this, is I never will forget this moment, even though I was intoxicated. Uh, it just was like, oh man, something's not right there. Like your lust has moved you to a dysfunctional place. And I gotta go. I gotta I got go quickly. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where the lights turn on, but my heart tonight, what I hope to do tonight is to turn the light on lust. That you would see it for what it is. That, that you would know what it is, because it seems like it's, it's this thing that is there and you don't really know, what to, is, it, is it natural, is it not, what am I supposed to do with it, uh, you know, and, and where it's going to take you somewhere. So we're in a series, Vice and Virtue, and this evening we're talking about lust and self-control. And so last week we talked on forgiveness. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to podcast it, to go in the porch app and get that. Really, it was the gospel. That would be a message to share, like many of the messages in this series. Um, but I feel like God did something special last week, and I pray again that he's going to do it tonight. Uh, tonight is mature content. If you came here with your eight-year-old, um, uh, one, how did you get in? Two, um, <laughs> Two, I'm gonna pray in a moment and I'm gonna ask you to leave. And if you're here, you're listening to this anywhere in the world, you're under 18, I'm gonna ask that you turn it off. Um, we are gonna speak really candidly on this topic this evening. And at this church, I don't know what church you grew up in, at this church we just handle these topics really candidly and especially on a Tuesday, feel a lot of freedom to speak really directly to this issue. So let me pray and that's where you would exit again if you're under 18 um, Lord, we do just ask for your help this evening. Uh, I know that the enemy hates this message, hates this text, hates your scripture, hates me and these people, and wants to see them abuse themselves on this topic. Um, Father, I know my friends are all over the place uh, in regards to their struggles. Um, Lord, I, I pray uh, for those that are listening online, couldn't get in the parking lot here, those in Houston and, and uh, those in Fort Worth and El Paso, in Tulsa and all over uh, the world, Lord, um, that you would heal us tonight. Um, I pray this would be a resource, God, as we read from the scriptures, that it would be a resource that we share uh, with others and those who struggle, our friends and our peers. Set us free in Jesus' name, amen. Now, feeding your lusts is going to cost you more than you could have ever imagined. Uh, I'm going to speak from four authorities right now, 
and they're not all created equal, but the first one is the scripture. This is God who loves you, who has a plan for your life, and, uh, and so he uh, puts sexual sin in a, in a, specific, uh, a special category. He, he says that he who sins sexually sins against himself. Uh, he, he alludes to, Jesus alludes to, to sexual sin can drag you all the way to hell. And that's gonna, a statement that's going to need some unpacking. I hope to do so uh, before you leave here this evening. The second authority is my own experience. I've been a slave to this sin. Okay, that's what you need to know if we don't know each other. I've been a slave to pornography, sexual addiction. I have sat in that prison. I hope to turn the light on so that you can see the cell walls because I've lived in it. I've seen the cost firsthand. The third authority is all of you. For the last 11 years, over a decade, I've met with thousands of you, literally thousands of you that have fallen victim to the enemy's tactics as it relates to lust. I've seen those who've done it well and those who've done it poorly. I've seen those who win and those who lose. I've seen the likes of dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of marriages. I know who is successful and who's not. So many obvious patterns. You think you're going to escape the odds. You think you're going to live outside of God's law, his commands for your life, and get away with it, and you will not. You won't. You will not be the first person in the history of history to do that. So I beg you to heed his warning this evening. And the fourth authority is just the current of our culture. What's going on in around us, the, the trends? If I was to have everyone stand up, and I won't, I don't want to embarrass anyone. The heart tonight is not to shame anyone. But if I said, hey, everyone stand up and, and sit down if you've had sex with less than eight people, the majority of you would still be standing. I know that. I understand the problem that I'm speaking to this evening. If I said, hey, everyone's standing, I said, hey, sit down. If you have an STD or you've had an STD, you or someone beside you would sit down. About one in three here this evening. If you, uh, if I asked, you know, have you ever been sexually assaulted? Before this message is over, maybe 40 or 50 times, every 90, or, or way more than that, I'm sorry, my math is off, every 98 seconds in America, every 98 seconds that comes from rain, 40 million Americans are sexually involved with the internet. That's such a weird sentence to read. 40 million Americans are having sex with the internet. Eight out of 10, that's 80% of men between the ages of 18 and 30 view pornography at least monthly. 13 million American women click on pornography sites each month. I know it's not just a men's problem. I know that. I know it's not. One in three viewers of pornography are women. It's a huge issue, and it's hurting you, and it's killing your dreams. I hope to turn the light on. In the same way, if you, you, you walked into a room, and there's a baby in the corner, and, 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 and he's playing, or she's playing with, with a rattle, some sort of baby toy, and then you turn the lights on to find out it's a rattlesnake. That's what this is doing. That's what this is like. This thing that we're playing with, that we've embraced, that we've called normal, it's killing you. 
It's killing your marriage long before you have a prospect. It's killing your intimacy with God. It's causing you to be depressed, increasing your anxiety. It's messed up your view of relationships. You have no idea what you're doing. All while the enemy's entertained by you. I'm gonna start in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. If you, if you think DFW or even America is, sexually charged, uh, is a sexually charged culture, I would just tell you we have nothing on Thessalonica. And so Paul is writing this letter to the Thessalonians, and it is normal. There's no moral law here. You can have children, prostitutes, molestation, uh, rape is completely fine. There's, there's no government going to come after you. Uh, some of this is even encouraged. It happens in church. There's, there, there's uh, prostitution and temple worship through prostitution that is going on in this culture. And so they're worse off than we are today in 2018. And so he's going to write this letter to address these things. And he says this, and the reason I'm reading this to you up front is because it displays the dichotomy of lust and self-control. So I'm gonna start here and then we'll dive into the points. It says this in verse three. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That's a churchy word. It, it means becoming more dedicated to God. It's God's will, you wanna know what God's will is for your life? That you would become more like Christ. It's God's will that you would be sanctified. Here's how you do that, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That's the Greek word pornaya. It's where we literally get the word pornography from this Greek word right here, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your, your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. There's people who don't know God. See also me at that club and that girl at the beginning of tonight. Oh, I didn't know God. What was I doing? Exactly what I should have been doing because I didn't know God. Why didn't I leave with her? Only common grace. I have no idea, no right explanation. But the Lord in his mercy protected me from further foolishness. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. You don't say, take another drink, or, or please, can I go a little further? It's called rape. Be really careful. No, no, let's, let's just keep going. Uh, don't do that. But not for that reason. See, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. You see that? The Lord will punish those who commit such sins. Fear the wrath of God, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being. You're not rejecting me tonight, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And that's the only way you're gonna win. How are you gonna find victory? His Holy Spirit. That's all you got. What this text does is it sets up a dichotomy. It shows you two tour guides. There's two tour guides. They both wanna take you on a tour. Okay, one is your lust, your passionate lust. One is self-control by the power of the Spirit. This one is extremely attractive. And, and, he, and he gives you exactly what your flesh desires. And you look at him and you're like, man, I wanna follow you. But he wants to take you and chain you up and beat you and abuse you and cut you and throw you off a cliff. And this one over here, 
through the lens of the world, not so attractive. This one almost appears boring. It's, it's kind of like your mom saying, eat all your vegetables, you know. It's, like, eh, well, it's good for you. And you're like, really, I'm supposed to follow you? And the path is it's not very worn. Not many people follow, have followed this tour guide. But the second you start to follow him, he, he pushes back the trees into an open pasture with a flowing stream and a beautiful beach nearby and, and animals of bright colors and beautiful paradise he offers you. He says, delight. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The dichotomy in this text, I'll show you. Under self-control, we see God's will. We see sanctify, that's becoming more dedicated to God. We see that we are able to control our body. We see that we're holy, honorable. This is where this tour guide leads. A life that is holy. Uh, we can be with God, by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, with us at all times. And the other tour guide takes us to sexual immorality, passionate lust, straight from the text. Pagans, um, not, that's not unbelievers, people that don't know God. Uh, we take advantage of people. We'll be punished uh, it's called the sin. It's an impure life. It's for those who reject instruction. Choose your path, friends. Choose your path. Just choose wisely. Let's talk about what causes lust. As we dive into this, we're going to look at the cause of lust, the cost of lust, and the cure for lust. And, and before I dive into these points, I want you to know you will control your sexual desires or, they, or you will be controlled by them. You control your sexual desires or you will be controlled by them. Now, what we have to do up front is you have to self-identify, not publicly, but in your mind. You just need to know right now, hey, is this message for me? Do I struggle with this? Okay, and so let's just ask a few questions. You know, as you think through pornography, have you seen it in the past six months? Have you pursued it? And I don't just mean porn of the traditional sense. Is it Instagram, hashtag chasing, social media? Have you looked at something? Have you masturbated in the past six months? Is that's something that you've taken part of. Have you been sexually involved with someone in the past six months? Has you gone further than you were supposed to? Has your body, as you hung out with them, began to prepare itself for sex? I got a message for you. I'm glad you're here. The Lord in his sovereignty, he's got something for you. Let's talk about the cause of lust. If I define it from the internet, it's a very strong sexual desire for someone a very strong sexual desire for someone. Hey, I have a prediction that someone will soon be changed to something, okay, because our culture is getting more and more perver perverted. Soon, my prediction, it will be a very strong sexual desire for something. And so we're gonna talk about what this looks like in your life. It's four activities. Four activities I think that lust looks like for you. The first one is sexual thoughts and fantasy. Sexual thoughts and fantasy, you beginning to think through things as you drive down the road, just feeding thoughts, hey, here's what I would do with her, here's what I would do with him, or man, did I see his six-pack as he was playing volleyball, and you're just feeding those thoughts, and be, man, what would it be like to be with that, watching the ro romantic comedy, and just thinking, hey, I want something like that, feeding those thoughts. And then the second one is sexual acts outside of God's design for marriage. And this is sex of any kind. It's, it's oral sex, anal sex, vaginal sex, sexting, uh, masturbation. It, it can be any sort of sexual activity outside of God's design for marriage, lust. And the third one is pornography. 
Instagram, Snapchat, hashtag chasing, porn sites, movies, 50 Shades Freed, apps, virtual reality. That's where we're headed. Some of you have already been there. You've already drank from that muddy pond. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The fourth one, it's masturbation. This is what you do with pornography or the sexual thoughts. It's, it's sex by yourself. It's sex with yourself. It's sex with someone of the same sex, namely you. That's what this is. I'm not trying to shame you, but I gotta shed a light on it. And this is the cyclical cycle that we get into because you feed the thoughts, which is going to take you somewhere, always going to take you somewhere. You're gonna look at something, see something, then you act out on it. No one looks at porn and doesn't masturbate. Doesn't happen, right? You, you look at that to find and experience that release. That's what you're doing so that you can experience sexual release, so that you can find that high yet again. Cope with another thing yet again. And we just get stuck in this cycle. The more we act out, the more we think about those things, the more we think about those things, the more we pursue them, the more we pursue them, the more we act out on them. And you think, how do I become a sexual pervert? Weinstein, or Louis C.K., or whoever comes to mind when I say that. I was a sexual pervert. How do you become one? One step at a time, one click at a time, one text at a time, one site at a time, one app at a time. And as we feed our lust, guess what happens? The appetite grows. Every time, Every time you feed something, it grows, it gets bigger. That's the way that it works. This is the lie of one last time. I'm gonna call him one last time. We're gonna get together one last time. I'm gonna watch that one last time. I'm gonna go there one last time. No, you're not because you just fed something and it got bigger. And so next time it's gonna be more difficult. I'm gonna masturbate one last time. How many times have you said that? No, you're not. No, you're not. You know what you could say right now? The last time's behind you. Man, take a deep breath. Everybody take a deep breath for me. Last time's behind you. One more time. You don't have to do it anymore. You don't have to look at that anymore. You don't have to go there anymore. You can stop killing yourself. You can stop killing your marriage. You can stop killing love. So what is lust? The reality is you were born with a God-given desire. And it happens when you go through adolescence. You start to desire the opposite sex. You start to think about them and, and you notice them different. And, and if you were abused as a child, this can be different for you and I would encourage you to seek help. We're here for you. We're helping, we would love to help you like we have hundreds and hundreds of others. But the reason that this happens around that time is because your body is able to uh, make life. It's a pretty amazing thing. 
that when a man and a woman come together, they can create another human being. This is God's genius design. And so this desire that's been inside of us, it's like a flame. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. It describes that passion as a burning. I'll, I'll like, I think of it like a candle, like a unity candle that everyone is born with, or it, it shows up when you go through adolescence, a flame, some sort of burning, some sort of desire. But you can imagine what happens when you begin to look at pornography, when you begin to masturbate. It's like pouring kerosene on that flame. It turns into a dysfunctional, unruly bonfire that is going to burn everything that it touches. And so the cause of lust is you feeding your fleshly desires. Let's talk about the cost of lust, why it's so dangerous, the cost of lust. Again, um, the cost, you, you're burning every relationship that you get in. Let's take a look at those same four categories if we can. The first one, sexual thoughts and fantasy. Uh, feeding these thoughts only cause the desires to grow, right? And so you're making it more difficult for yourself. I've said it before, it's like shopping with no money. You either uh, leave frustrated or you take something that didn't belong to you. Those thoughts, you have to act out on them. You'll just get frustrated. And what happens is you just become like you feel dysfunctional. And so you ride an elevator with someone of the opposite sex and you start wondering what's beneath their clothes. You start wondering what his abs look like or, or you start wondering, your mind goes, you wonder does her bra match her panties? These are the thoughts and then you go back to your desk and those thoughts are still spinning and you feel like you can't work and you're, you're distracted. What are those thoughts gonna do for you? How are they gonna help you? You feel dysfunctional. The second one, sex out, sexual acts outside of God's design for marriage. Well, you know what happens, see God designed sex for children and so what happens when a man and a woman have sex is, is she gets pregnant. And so there's 700,000 abortions a year these are lives ended because of lust. That someone's lust literally cost a life. Let your mind get around that. A human being's not here. Listen, I know that's many of you. Grace to you. We love you. We're glad you're here. I'm not mad at you. If you've trusted in Christ, God's not mad at you. For the sake of those around you, tell your story. Stop thinking you're gonna take that to your grave. That's a foolish plan. Uh, receive grace and forgiveness and tell others so they can step into the freedom. Guys, I know this is part of your deal too. Some of you funded it. Tell your story, find healing. Stop staying in that prison. Kids are being born into uh, you know, a, a single parent home, 40% of children now born to unmarried women comes from the CDC. We talk about STDs, um, this, here's the deal, for years and years and years, STDs have been on the decline until our watch, until millennials showed back up on the scene and now chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, they're back with a vengeance and the vast majority, the number one perpetrator is millennials, that's us. 35% of Americans who have 
herpes do not know it. 35% don't know they have it. One in five people who are living with HIV uh, have not yet been diagnosed, meaning they don't know it yet. 75% of women living with chlamydia don't yet know it. 75% don't know it yet. Talk about how it's emotionally compromising. What we do is we train our bodies not to bond to someone. See, we're addicted to variety. So we will never be satisfied by monogamy. You don't understand the dangers of having sex with her and her and her and her and her click, her click, her click, her click. Again, returning to that website, you are retraining God's design. You'll never, ever, ever be satisfied in a marriage. You don't understand how dangerous this rattlesnake you're holding is. You and I, the porn addict, is going to a university, meaning you're being trained over and over. You're being taught to use people for pleasure. And I've heard it said very well, and I love this because this is so experientially true. If you sneak over the fence to steal the fruit, it doesn't taste as good when you go through the front gate. You don't want the real thing. You want the counterfeit. You don't want filet mignon. You want dog food. You've trained yourself to eat dog food. And so when the filet is sitting on the table, you want the Alpo. That's what your taste buds have been trained for. How sad. Pornography, the third category, what does it create? The cost of pornography, it creates sexual dysfunction. Both, um, think about the two ends of the spectrum. You have erectile dysfunction, and then you have premature ejaculation. Because you're trying to do it as fast as you can, over and over, by yourself. So porn is gonna make you an awful lover. An awful lover. It's a, it's a selfish act. So when you come uh, together with, with someone under the context of marriage and you're supposed to love them selflessly, you have no idea how to do that. You've been learning the other way. I've got to tell you, every time I tackle this message, I, I share the same story. You've got to understand God's design. This is genius design, that, that God created our bodies to function the way they do. He made the parts. He loves sex. It's his idea. He invented it. It's a fantastic idea, an amazing invention. Whenever you experience orgasm, you experience the highest levels of oxytocin that your brain can naturally produce, the highest levels of dopamine that can be produced naturally. These are the the feel-good hormones, the feel-good natural drugs in your body. And so sex is, is the most pleasure, orgasm is the most pleasure that you can experience naturally. And so what it does is when you experience that act, your brain creates synapses. Synapses are like muscles. Those muscles bond your five senses to your surroundings. Listen closely. So that whenever you experience an orgasm, the smell the visual, the feeling. Your body is very literally bonding to something. Psychiatrists call it sex glue today. Now you can imagine what happens when you introduce pornography. You get addicted to variety. 
or you train yourself systematically not to bond to anything. Uh, a case study in this, this is in a psychological journal, a uh, famous case study is about the boots. It's the boots story. And so a boy in adolescence comes downstairs and, um, and he had masturbated upstairs. His dad heard him. He comes down to breakfast. His dad makes fun of him. Uh, parenting, no, no. But for the rest of his adolescence, the boy would put on his boots and go into the pasture, into the backyard, and he, that's where he would masturbate for the rest of his adolescence. He didn't know where to look. He'd look down at his boots. To this day, now an adult, he cannot have sex without his boots on. Why? His brain bonded to his boots. There's another case study of someone who uh, is sexually attracted, finds sexual release with their car, an inanimate object. Why? Because they bonded to it. There's thousands of stories of people who cannot have sex without a porno on the TV or a magazine open on the bed. This is what you're doing to yourself. How long are you going to do it to yourself? Will you lift up your head? Will you look backwards? Has it been since the fifth grade? Has it been that long? How long are you going to do it to yourself, friends? Would you stop? The last time could be behind you. Could be behind you. There's freedom in that. Consider God's brilliant design. When one man and one woman, they have not really experienced anything sexually. They come together on their wedding night. It's really awkward and uncomfortable. It hurts. It's not really fun. But they have an entire lifetime to experiment. They don't know what they're doing. It's clumsy. But they have an entire lifetime to figure it out together. And as they continue to come together and he hasn't experienced that with anybody else, she remains the epitome of attraction for him even when she becomes 50 and 60 years old and 70 years old and 80 years old, his brain continually bonding to her. How beautiful is that? Is God not a genius? Do you see how we've perverted it? The risk of pornography is sexual deviance. Um, this comes from uh, a write-up, Neuropharmacology. It says the brain's reward center doesn't know the difference between porn that's okay to use, which there's not, and porn that's not cool. All it knows is that it likes dopamine. So when something sick or disturbing pops up and is linked with sexual arousal, the brain wires that into the user's sexual template. The same part of the brain that is stimulated by porn is the same part of the brain that is stimulated by horror movies. When you see someone get their head cut off, it's, it's the same sort of sensation. And it, porn is an extremely slippery slope. You, you can see the growing problem of child pornography. You see how you start with just wanting to see someone naked and then wanting to see them in the act and then wanting to see multiple people of the same sex and then wanting to see bondage, S&M, animals. I don't know. It's a slippery slope, y'all. It takes you somewhere. That's an abusive guide you're following. He wants to kill you. Think about the phenomenon of 50 shades of gray, 50 shades free now. That sadomasochism is becoming 
a normal pursuit. If I can even say that with a clear conscience. Like, do you think that when God invented sex, he was like, man, I hope they tie each other up and hurt each other. Whips and candles and gags. Don't you see how you're getting tricked? I mean, Satan's watching you and being entertained by you. He's like, oh, look, they enjoy hurting each other. They think it's love. You are being fooled, man. Would you wake up? You are being tricked. It's not loving. It's, it's hurtful. It's satanic. The 2012 poll said that most porn users agreed with the statement, my taste became increasingly extreme and deviant. Consider anal sex. Researchers in England recently published a study where they, they looked at boys, uh, heterosexual boys, eight, uh, 16 to 18 year olds. And they began to ask them questions. And they, they said that they had been trying, most or, or many of them said that they had been trying to convince their girlfriends to have anal sex even though they knew that it would hurt her. Where do we go? How do we get here? I think we're lost. I think we lost our way, man. They were asked why. Why would you do that? Why would you want to do something harmful to your boyfriend, um, to your girlfriend? They said, because we saw it in porn. Satan's having a heyday, man, watching us hurt each other. Another side effect, symptom of porn is you desire counterfeit. See, these women, they have fake breasts. The men are endowed differently than most men. And this just creates insecurity. See, she's not just comparing you to the eight men that she's been with. She's comparing you with the hundreds of men that she's watched. And this is a terrifying thing for women, that you might be comparing her to your other partners or to the porn stars you look. And some of you have bought the lie. You want to look like a porn star. You look at them, and you want your body to look like that. And you are just pursuing, you're not just pursuing the counterfeit. You want to be the counterfeit. One statistic said that in the near future, more people will be having sex with robots than humans. You want to know where we're headed? I just told you where we're headed. Jesus, come quickly. Porn Kills Love is a movement. It comes from fightthenewdrug.org. I'd encourage you to go there, fightthenewdrug.org. Lastly, let's talk about masturbation. Masturbation teaches you selfishness, not sacrifice. Masturbation makes you a terrible lover, as I said earlier. You get used to a particular feeling yourself, and you seek to finish as fast as possible. It trains you toward premature, premature ejaculation, premature orgasm. And can you think of a marriage hell that you would be in a covenant relationship with someone of the opposite sex, someone who loves God, someone beautiful, and yet you can't enjoy them because you'd rather seek pleasure by yourself. And it happens all the time. Like I'm not talking crazy up here. This is a serious issue. It happens all the time. I want you to know, man, there is hope. There is hope. I can, 
I can remember being in a small group after I became a believer and uh, we were going around sharing and one guy said, hey, I just wanna give you guys some encouragement. Don't we need some encouragement in this message right about now? We need some encouragement. Let me, let me give you some encouragement. He said, hey guys, it's my anniversary. Anniversary, what are you talking about? You're not even in a relationship. He said, yeah, it's been three years since I masturbated. And I was a new believer and I was like, three years? Is that even possible? Like, you didn't die? You still with that? You went three years? I didn't even know that could be done. And it can be done. That's what I want you to know. Now, I've been following Christ for a while and have experienced personal, incredible freedom. And if you feel hopeless, and I've taught this enough to know that many of you right about now feel really, really hopeless. I tell you something, I found freedom, a freedom that I didn't think was possible. If you think that, that the solution was marriage, let me tell you something, it only gets a whole lot worse than marriage. It only, all of those desires and all of those problems only grow in marriage. You need to know that. I need you to take my word for it or hundreds of other people I could have you talk to. And so I, this is what it's like. This, I, I read this this week, and, and this is what uh, lust is like. And so um, the stranded sailors, sailors that have been capsized uh, in the ocean, the, the, the problem is they're, they're out there. The sun is scorching them. You've seen this in the, the movie Unbroken with Louis Zamberini. They're out there, and they're so thirsty. But the irony is they're surrounded by water. And, and this is the biggest problem for those who have been shipwrecked. The, the number two cause of death is drinking salt water because when you drink it, the more you drink, the more you crave it. All it's doing is poisoning you. Your body can't, uh, your kidneys can't process salt water. And so you're, you're sitting out there in the middle of the ocean surrounded by water, drowned, I mean dying of thirst. And in the same way, you are surrounded, you have a flame, you have a desire, and you're surrounded in a sexually charged culture. You can find nudity and sex of all kind at any given time, but do not drink, it's poisonous. And the more you drink, the more you want, and the more you die. And it's a cruel cycle. And so, what do we do, how do we, find healing from this. The cost of lust is life and love. The cost of lust is life and love. And so let's talk about the cure for lust as we leave. The cure for lust, the cure for lust, I'll give it to you up front, it's self-control, it's learning self-control. And so here's what I want you to think about, like you're flatlined, like you're out there and, and, and you need CPR. Okay, like you're dead, the, the, the uh, screen just went blank and they want the light to come back on. They want that heartbeat to come beep, beep. They want to come back on, so you need CPR. That's the acronym I'm about to give you. CPR, CPR, two times. CPR, CPR. The first C is for confess, the word confess. Confess at the thought level every time. Write this down, confess. Confess at the thought level. When do you confess? When you think it. Not when you act out on it, not when you do something, you confess then too, but confess at the thought level. You say, JP, I'll be confessing 20, 30, 40, 60 times a day. Confess a thousand times a day. Wear out your community group. Oh yeah, community group, you're gonna need that too. You need people in this fight with you, other brothers and sisters who know you and love God and love you and know God, who are up for the battle. And you start to confess at the thought level. 
That is when you confess. And don't just, um, and, and let me just give you a, a scripture to go with that. It's James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so the second thing you do is you pray. Never have someone confess something to you and not immediately pray for them. That's the formula God gave us through James. When they confess, you pray. That's where healing comes from. They confess, you pray. And so you pray for them every single time. And you and I, we need to pray honest prayers. This is when I experienced freedom myself, is I would wake up in the morning and say, God, I don't want to lust after a woman today. God, I don't want to go back like a dog to his vomit to those websites today. God, would you strengthen me? Holy Spirit, would you help me to take my thoughts captive? When I think, when I think about her, help me to pray, help me to shift, help me to think about you, and you wage war, and it's going to be a battle, man. It is not for the faint at heart. It's not for little boys and not for little girls. It is an all-out war for warriors and soldiers. And you got to be up for the fight because there's some sleepless nights ahead of you. You wake up at 2 a.m. You don't know what to do. You fight. You're saying, I don't sleep that night? Maybe not. You fight like you're at war. And the enemy's coming in through the window. You fight. Confess, pray. R is for repent. Repent is, is to turn. That's what the word means. You change the goal. Like my little girl, when she's playing basketball and, and she gets the rebound and she starts going the wrong way because they change goals at halftime, I'm her dad on the sidelines say, hey, you're going the wrong way. Go that way. Go that way. Go that way. And at some point she listens and she changes the goal. You change the goal. You turn from the desire for immediate gratification, the desire for immediate pleasure. You change the goal. You're going to go out with them. You're going to go without immediate pleasure. That's what you need to know. That's what's going to happen. You're no longer going to gratify that. Change the goal. The, the uh, second C is for Christ. As you turn from your sin, you turn toward Jesus. John Piper said, I know no other way to overcome sin than to find a superior satisfaction in Jesus. What do I mean by pursuing Jesus? Look, I'm looking out here. I see a bunch of gifted people. I see a bunch of young adults that God wants to use Fill your life with the things of God. I'm talking Bible studies, community groups. Uh, maybe you go back to seminary, okay? You start to, to read and study the Bible every day. Write some songs. Worship him every day. You, you, you join a church if you're not. Obvious, join a church that you would get into a small group there. You fill your life with the things of God. Turn on Christian radio. Uh, start to read Christian books. Fill your life with the things of Christ and get some accountability in, in, in the way that, like, I don't like to work out, but if I know that somebody's going to meet me up there, I'm going to be up there. And so you get some accountability around you. You pursue Christ. This is when I knew that I was going to be okay. Um, I was growing in my relationship with Jesus. There was a billboard that I would see every day on the way home on 635. It was a woman in a bikini. And every day I'd look at that billboard and I'd lust. And one day I'm growing in my relationship with Christ and I'm talking to him and I'm praying in the car out loud as I drive. It's what I do, radio off, I'm praying out loud. And I know that billboard's coming because I see it every single day and I'm, and I'm approaching her. She's beautiful. And on this particular day, I'm like, it's not worth it. It's not worth this. It's not worth intimacy with Christ. I'm not gonna look at it. 
And in that moment, it was the first glimmer of hope I had. See, I thought I'd struggle with porn and masturbation until I died. And in that moment, I knew I was going to be okay. I knew that the Lord was going to heal me. The next P is for pursue. Pursue marriage. Pursue becoming someone, the, the one you're looking for is looking for, we've said before. Pursue marriage. What I mean by pursue marriage is, is not go into marriage with a porn struggle. I mean find freedom so that you can get married if you want marriage. If you want to experience sexual intimacy, that's your outlet. And so you begin to prepare yourself for marriage. I get asked all the time, what do I do if my boyfriend's looking at porn? What do I do if my girlfriend's looking at porn? You ready? That's where I make some enemies. You break up. Break up. You look them in the eyes. You say, you know what? I love you too much to stay in this relationship. I want you to find freedom. Maybe you wait for them. Maybe you don't. That's your prerogative. Okay? But you point them in the direction of healing. And you say, hey, we, I don't want to be a stumbling block toward, for you getting well. And so, pursue marriage. And the last R is you remove access. You remove access. This, in my opinion, is how I know after a decade of doing this, if someone's gonna get well or not, if they're willing to remove access. Like, how do you look at porn? My cell phone, you get rid of your cell phone. How do you look at porn? My laptop, you get rid of your laptop. I'd have to quit my job. You change your jobs. You willing to change your job? Let's play that game. What are you willing to do to be free? You remove access. You, you, you audit, how do I look at porn? You say, well, I can always do this. And you, listen, yeah, absolutely, man. But make it difficult for yourself. Then you say, man, isn't that legalism? Let me show you the words of Jesus. He said in Matthew 5, you have heard it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand, interesting that he goes hand there. I'll let you think about that. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to, to go into hell. And so he, he's saying, hey, this guide that you wanna follow seeks to take you all the way to hell. Am I saying that you can lose your salvation? No, I'm saying that the Holy Spirit does not allow Christ followers to be given over to sexual immorality for their life that the Holy Spirit seeks to rescue you, will you respond to him? And if you do not respond to him, if you close your heart to the Holy Spirit, why would you assume that you know Jesus? These are the words of Jesus, and so get help. In this room on Monday at 6.30, for those of you in Dallas, those who are listening, find a celebrate recovery or a regeneration in your town. In this room, Monday nights at 6.30, you walk in and there'll be thousands of other people who are seeking to get help. You, listen, if you've looked at porn in the past six months, don't come to the porch next Tuesday. Come to Regen on Monday. I'd rather you go there. I wanna see you well. 6.30, Monday night. And so the cause of lust is you feeding your fleshly desires. The cost of lust is life and love. And the cure for lust is allowing the Holy Spirit to give you CPR, that you confess, pray, repent, seek Christ, pursue, and remove. CPR, CPR.
And I think the goal for so many of us is marriage. You want to get married. But the reality is, is you're going to get into a marriage and you don't understand that, that you're thinking that marriage is your opportunity to, to, to try all this crazy stuff, the stuff that you've seen. And, and so then you've got two options. You can marry someone who's tried all kinds of crazy stuff and they're ready for that. Or, or you can marry someone who's really, really intimidated by the fact that you want to try all kinds of crazy stuff. And that doesn't go well for anybody. And so you can think of an ideal would be, like I said, that two would come together. They, they don't know about the crazy stuff. They've set no evil before their eyes. And you say, man, how do I get there, though, JP? I'm so far past that, man. You don't understand. You start the undoing tonight. That the last time would be behind you. You guys, you guys have been to weddings, right? Anybody been to a wedding? You still with me? I know it's long. I'm about to let you go home right now. You been to a wedding? Okay, good. Like three of you have been to a wedding. That's awesome. <laughs> Sometimes they, they do this thing, like the, the unity candle, right? And so anybody seen the unity candle? And so it's like the, you know, there's, there's these two candles and one represents the, the uh husband and one represents the wife but for the person who has looked at pornography right it's like that flame that flame looks like that it's not like a normal flame so I don't know if we can kill this light but this this flame it, it's like a, a, a bigger flame I mean this light thank you it's like you've poured kerosene you're gonna go into marriage with that, and, and you think, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and light this, this candle over here, but, but you're not just burning your life down. Do you understand that? Like, it's not just your life that you've been burning down. You're gonna burn her life down, his life down, your children's life down. Like, it's all, it's all gonna be melted away right in front of your eyes. Can I tell you something crazy? It's melting away right now. You just don't know it. You don't understand it. You haven't seen it. Can I tell you something crazier? God, he loves you so much. He has you here. He has you there. He has you listening. That you would understand the instructions and not just watch, and not just watch a life melt away like that. That he has a better plan for you. That when two become one, that it would be this beautiful expression of love by the power of the Holy Spirit. That it would be the beginning of the creation of a family. That they'd have children and they'd raise them to know God, the one true God. It's such a beautiful thing. Some of you women, you're hearing this and you're like, man, JP, you don't understand. I don't have an option. Like, I want to get married, but like nobody's asking me out. You should especially hate porn. Not give in to it, not take the shortcut. The reason is pornography. It's keeping you single. Not just your struggle, their struggle. You should especially hate it. Some of you, you're really gifted. Like you might need to go into politics and, and, and write the government and, and do something to abolish pornography for the sake of, of you know, children who are being, uh, things doing something crazy over here. <laughs> insane and you can just see it's just melting away your life 
You worry about that lamp? I see you. That's all part of the illustration. Like you catch it on fire. It's melting away your life. There's no unity in that. That's what's happening. That's what's been happening. That's what you've been a part of. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you. Some of you, you think I've been talking to you. And it's because I've been talking to you. I hope the Holy Spirit's been talking to you. What if the last time was behind you? What if the next time you experience any kind of sexual release that, that you prompted, you're on your honeymoon with someone who loves Jesus more than you? And, and you, you know, it's not full of shame. And you're not wondering how many people they're comparing you to. And you're not trying to perform. You're just making beautiful love in an act of worship. It's an act of worship. How awesome would that be? Father, would you make that true for my friends? Here in Dallas, in Fort Worth, Houston, Tulsa, El Paso, South Africa, wherever somebody's listening, God. Would you set them free? Father, I want to thank you for the freedom that I've experienced personally. That you would allow me to take my mess and make it a message. It's a privilege. Father, would you do something powerful this evening in the hearts of my friends that some of them are here with their significant other. It's been so awkward this whole time and and there's going to be some breakups in the parking lot. Would you give them courage? And Lord, some of them, have, they feel like you've forgotten them. They want to get married, and they're just like, where? And like, like I've been saving myself, and I've been pursuing purity, and where is he, Lord? And would you help them to get out of the waiting room, God? And to set the focus on making much of you with their life, using their singleness. And Father, I don't want to end this prayer or this message or this evening without celebrating the gospel. And so I declared in this prayer that your son, Jesus Christ, has died for all our sins, past, present, and future. He died for every time we've looked at pornography every time we've masturbated, every time we've had sex of any kind, God. Jesus died for that, he paid for it. You aren't holding that against us. Would you allow us to embrace that payment, to celebrate that freedom, and to not continue to sin, but to live a life for you? In the name of Christ Jesus, amen.